My name is Andy, and I'm one of the pastors here. We're going to open God's Word together as we continue to worship Him. If you want to find in your Bibles 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that's where we're going to be. Uh, I just want to say welcome uh, to everybody who is joining us to worship this morning. Um, While you're finding 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let me set our sermon up this way. How many of you like to go to the movies? I I love to go to the movies, um, although it seems like it's gotten a lot more expensive over the last few years. Um, But I love movies. I love movie theater popcorn. Uh, It costs way more than it should, but it tastes so good. But it seems like movie theaters have gotten a lot nicer over the years. Like now you can go and, and the seats recline. Um, and they'll bring you a meal if you're hungry, you want more than popcorn, like, like, because it's all about the, ex- the experience, right? They want you to go, they want you to be comfortable, they want you to have all the different uh, food that you want, popcorn, soda, the different kinds of uh, salt that you can, flavors of salt you could put on your popcorn, and all of that stuff, it's all about your experience at the movies, uh, although there haven't really been any good movies this summer, uh, unfortunately, but Anyway, uh, another thing that I like to do sometimes is go to concerts. How many of you like to go to concerts? Now, one of the things that I've learned about concerts is that the venue is not really that important. Unlike a movie theater, it doesn't matter if your seats are comfortable in a concert. In a good concert, you're not sitting down that much anyway, right? One of the best concerts I've ever been to is Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Amazing, so loud, <laughs> uh, but really incredible. The seats were terrible. They were super uncomfortable. Nobody cared because the show, the performance was amazing. It was incredible. Uh, going to the movies, going to a concert. I think that, unfortunately, a lot of Christians oftentimes think of church in the same way. We go to the movies, we go to a concert, we go to church. And we think, like, I'm going to church, and I want to have comfortable seats, I want to have good coffee, I want the music to be good, the performance to be on, on, on par, whatever. And as we're leaving a, a Sunday morning worship service, we're having the same kinds of conversations we have when we're leaving the movies. Well, what did you think of the show? What did you think of the service today? Was the music good? Was it in a key that you could sing along with? Did the pastor forget, lose his place in his notes? Like, we're having the same kinds of conversations because we're approaching the church in the same way. I go to consume a movie. I go to consume a concert. I go to consume a church service. But I think this is a problem with American Christianity, not just American Christianity, but uh, especially our branch of evangelical Christianity in Western civilization is that we come to church as Christian consumers. But the church is not a venue. The church is not a show. The church is a family. It is a community of faith. It is the gathering of God's people. That's what the church is. And so um, at Lakeview, one of the ways that we try to embody that as as Church is not something we go to, it's something that we are as spiritual family. One of the ways that we try to live that out is we have something called gospel communities. Gospel communities are groups of about 20 to 30 people, including the kids, and they gather together monthly for a meal and prayer. The next time we're going to do gospel communities will be the week after Labor Day in September. 
Um, so that's coming up. And the reason I'm talking about that is because I don't want you to feel like gospel communities are just another church program, right? Because they're, they're just another church program, and we're here to consume the programs and services that we like, that meet our needs, that scratch my back when I need itched or whatever. You know, I, I don't need that in this season of life, but I could use that over here. And So I'll, I'll come and, and consume the programs and, and services and content that helps me at wherever I'm at. That's approaching the church like a Christian consumer, but we're not Christian consumers. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and gospel communities aren't a church program. They are family gatherings. And that's how I want us to think about them, family gatherings. When you gather with your extended family at Thanksgiving time, you don't have a program. You have a meal. You have relationship. You talk to one another, even the weird uncle that's socially awkward, right? You, you talk. You get to know you. And that's fine, and that's what we do as the family of God. We gather together. Now, we're too big to do a big potluck every single month all together, uh, so we do it in gospel communities, and um, we'll be talking more about that as we get ready to kick those off for September, but um, the, as the family of God, as the household of God, it's not consumers, but brothers and sisters in Christ, one of the things that that means is that we are accountable to one another and responsible to one another. Now, that doesn't mean that we are accountable for one another or responsible for one another. You have to make your own decisions about following Christ. I can't make those decisions for you. And if you choose to disobey Christ or walk away, I can't, I'm not responsible for your decision to do that. That's your responsibility. However, we are responsible to one another. I am responsible to love you. I'm responsible to serve you. I'm responsible to encourage you. I'm responsible to help you understand God's word. You're responsible to do all those things for me. And if I see you start to walk away, I'm responsible to call you out on that and call you back. And you're responsible to do the same thing to me. And we're accountable to one another. If a brother or sister in Christ comes to me and says, you're insecure about this issue, or, or your attitude the other day did not reflect Christ, I am accountable to that brother or sister in Christ to ask the Lord to help me with that, right? We're responsible to one another and we're accountable to one another because we're not just a bunch of Christian shoppers who happen to be at the same venue at the same time. Oh, hi, I, you know, I don't really know you, but I'll be polite to you in the lobby, uh, but I don't really care because we're just shoppers who happen to be here at the same time. No, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, we're accountable to one another, we're responsible to one another, and what we're going to talk about specifically related to that whole concept today is serving one another. In God's family, we serve one another. Uh, here's Galatians 5.13. I know I told you to turn to 1 Corinthians. We'll get there. But here's where serving one another comes from in the Bible. Galatians 5.13, just one of many verses. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Serve one another through love because we're part of the family of God. So we're going to talk about that, serving one another. And I think that everybody in this room, probably everybody in our society, whether they're Christians or not, knows that we should serve others. Serving others is a good thing. We all know that. We, so I'm not going to preach a sermon to try to convince you that you should serve one another 
because we already know that we should. And I'm not going to preach a sermon to try to guilt trip you into volunteering for the nursery. Although if you want to volunteer for the nursery, you're more than welcome to. That would be really helpful. Uh, But that's not the point of this message. I want to give you a biblical perspective of serving others. And probably all of us here fall into one of three categories, right? So some of you are actively serving others. And as we open God's word today, I hope that the Holy Spirit affirms you affirms you in your serving of other people. Uh, Some of you uh, want to serve, but you're not really sure where to begin. Maybe you're newer to the Lakeview family. You're not sure where to start. Well, as we look at Scripture together, uh, I hope that you feel equipped to get started in serving others. And some of you probably know that you should be serving others, but you've just been out of the practice. Maybe it's been summer, and maybe you've been sick, maybe you've had ba- vacations, maybe, uh, you know, who knows what it is, busy, distracted, whatever. For whatever reason, we're just out of practice. And so if you fall into that category, I hope that the message today, that God's Word uh, encourages you to find simple ways to step back into that rhythm of serving one another. Because in God's family, we serve one another. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. We're going to camp out in this one verse today. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The Apostle Paul wrote the letter of 1 Corinthians, and in chapter 12, he's talking about how God equips his people to serve one another to build one another up. That's what chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians is about. And so we're going to look at this one verse, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. If you highlight or underline in your Bible, this would be a really good verse to underline. What I want to do is look at each phrase of the verse in turn. So the first phrase is, to each is given. To each is given. Every single Christian... Every single Christian is given the power of the Holy Spirit to serve others. To each is given, right? Everyone, not just the staff, not just the key volunteer leaders. Everyone, all of us are given the power of the Holy Spirit to serve others. It is a gift for everyone. The Holy Spirit empowers us, right? To each, and to each is given. Paul didn't write... To each, it has been given. No, he's right. To each is given. What he means is each one of us is continuously being given the power of the Holy Spirit. God is all the time giving you everything that you need to accomplish his will in any given circumstance, wherever you find yourself. God is equipping you constantly, continuously. He is giving you power in the Holy Spirit to carry out his will in that circumstance or situation, whether it's at home, whether it's in your neighborhood, whether it's in your workplace or your school, wherever it might be, God is giving you what you need in that moment. Oh, here's an example. Praying for the sick. A lot of times we're uh, afraid to pray and ask God to heal the sick or to pray big, bold prayers because we think, what if I pray for that person to be healed and they're not healed? Or what if, what if I'm going to go out and pray for this for my neighbor who's sick, but what if I don't have the gift of healing? 
Well, then God's not going to heal them because I don't have the gift of healing. I better go find somebody that has the gift of healing so they could pray for my neighbor because then they'll be healed because they have the gift of healing. Well, that's not really how it works. God is continuously giving every Christian all the things that they need to accomplish his will in any given circumstance. If it's God's will that your neighbor be healed and you pray for your neighbor, God will give you the gift of healing in that moment to heal that person. And how amazing is it to pray for somebody who's sick and watch them be healed and we miss out on that experience because we're too afraid to, well, what if I don't have that gift? What if this is... No, no, no. We all are being given what we need in order to accomplish God's will. So we should be out there praying for the sick, doing these things. Our youngest son, uh, Graham, he's seven. This summer he was in a play. And um, <clears throat> it was in June, early June. And so he, he did all the practices and everything. We went to the show. And there were kids from all, of all ages, from age 17 to all the way down to seven, uh, in this play. And the younger kids had this one scene where they came out and they sang a song, There are no small parts but only small actors and we can sing and dance. It was just a cute little song. Um, But that whole idea, there are no small parts, only small actors. That's true in God's kingdom. There are no small parts in God's kingdom. There are no insignificant members of God's family. Everyone counts. Everyone receives the Holy Spirit. In God's kingdom, in God's family, you matter you are indispensable and you are equipped and empowered by the holy spirit of god to make a difference in the church and in the world in god's family you are important you matter everyone to each is given and the next phrase in the verse to each is given the manifestation of the spirit survey how many of you in casual conversation with a friend in the last two weeks, used the word manifestation. Anybody use the word manifestation, casual conversation? Uh, How many of you saw the word manifestation on a social media post in the last two weeks? Anybody see the word manifestation on social media? Uh, Kelsey did. Uh, How many of you were watching your favorite TV show and they were talking about some kind of a manifestation on your favorite TV show? Anybody Anybody hear that, right? That word manifestation is not a real common word. It's not something that we would just immediately say, oh yeah, ah, manifestation of the Spirit, sure. So my question is, what is the manifestation of the Spirit? What does that mean? What is Paul talking about in this verse? Well, to manifest something means to display it or to show it or to make it visible, So here's the definition of a manifestation of the Spirit. It's when the Holy Spirit displays God's grace, love, and power through you. The Holy Spirit takes the invisible attributes of God and makes them visible in you. The Holy Spirit makes God physically visible through you. That's the manifestation of the Spirit. Now, it can happen all kinds of different ways. It could happen through sharing an encouraging word with somebody. It could happen through praying for the sick. It could happen through making a meal for somebody. It could happen through um, praying for somebody and feeling like God's put something on your heart and you share with them. I was praying for you. This came to my mind. I don't know if it's from God, but I want to share it with you. Maybe it's an encouragement to you. 
There's, there's all kinds of ways that the Holy Spirit will display God's grace, love, and power in and through you. He will make God visible to you. Now, we don't often talk about the manifestation of the Spirit, but one thing that Christians talk a lot about are spiritual gifts. What's your spiritual gift? Well, I have three spiritual gifts. Well, I have five spiritual gifts. Well, I'm a, whatever. You know, I only have one. I don't know what my spiritual gift is. We talk a lot about spiritual gifts. And the way that we think about it, and it's probably not all that helpful of a way uh, to think about it, honestly. The way we think about it is, I need to discover my spiritual gifts so that I can serve in line with my spiritual gifts. Because when I was born again, the Holy Spirit gave me a superpower that I can use at whim that anytime I want to, and if I, if I can discover that superpower, spiritual gift, then I can serve in that way. Like, I got the gift of healing, be healed, be healed, be healed, right? Or whatever, speaking in tongues or prophesying or whatever it might be, and now I can boom, 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 boom. That's not really that helpful. It's really not that helpful. And the way that we go about trying to discover our spiritual gifts is we take spiritual gift tests, which are really nothing more than aptitude tests and personality profiles. And we think, well, because I took an aptitude test and a personality profile, now I know what my spiritual gifts are, but I can only serve in line with my gifts, right? That's not really really helpful. If you want to know how God will display his grace, love, and power through you, Don't start with a personality profile. Start with serving others. You see a need, step in and meet that need. God is continuously giving manifestations of the Spirit to you to meet needs wherever you are. You want to know how God's going to do that through you? Go out and start doing it. Don't start with a personality profile. Start by serving others. Another thing I wanted to say about this, this manifestation of the Spirit, is this. Stop being insecure about what you can accomplish in God's kingdom. We have the Holy Spirit of God. God himself is living inside of your body. Don't come and tell me what you can't do in God's kingdom. There is no limit on what we can do as God's people empowered by God's spirit for God's kingdom. There's no limit. We have God's word right here available to us. You have it on your phone in a hundred different translations. We have uh, the Holy Spirit of God empowering us. We have the family of God, the church, encouraging and equipping us. There is no limit to what we can accomplish in God's kingdom. Don't tell me what you can or can't do. Well, I can't do that. I could never do this. I, I don't know how to do that. No, 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 no. In God's kingdom, you have the Holy Spirit of God. You can do anything if it's God's will for you to do, right? So, Everyone is given the manifestation of the Spirit. And the last part of that verse is for the common good. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. As disciples of Jesus, we do not serve others for applause. We don't serve others so that we can get thank you notes. We don't serve others so that we can post it about it on our social media feeds. We don't serve others for recognition or volunteer banquets, or volunteer pins, or little bumper stickers that we put on our cars. Those aren't the reasons why we serve others. We don't serve others to assuage our guilt. We don't serve others uh, to um, virtue signal, right? These are not the reasons why we serve others. We serve others as disciples of Jesus for the common good. 
John 3, 16, verse, and verse 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. This verse motivates our serving others because we serve because God loves the world. Did you know that God loves the world? God does not hate the world. God does not hate the people that aren't following him. God does not hate the world. God loves the world. In fact, he loved the world so much that he sent Jesus not to condemn the world, but to save the world. This is why we serve, because God loves the world. God loves all of the people in the world, including the people who have different yard signs than you, including the people that uh, work in the next cubicle over that are weird. God loves the weirdos in your neighborhood. God loves the weirdos in your school. And God loves the weirdo that looks back at you when you look in the mirror. That's a joke. It took, okay, take a little while again. <laughs> We're all weird, and God loves us all. That's the point. God loves the world. He sent Jesus to save the world. And so often Christians are motivated by contempt and disgust rather than love and compassion. And that doesn't mean that we uh, say anybody's bad decisions are all okay and we just endorse them as being fine. No, it means that we love the person. We're motivated by compassion, not disgust, not contempt, but love and compassion. We serve them. Because God loves the world, because Jesus came to save the lost, and we are motivated to see people set free from lies, people set free from death and destruction, people to have abundant and everlasting life in Jesus Christ. That's why we serve inside the body. That's why we serve outside the body. We want to give the world a little glimpse of the kingdom of God. As the Holy Spirit makes God visible in us through loving and serving others, people will see God's kingdom. They will see God's beauty, his truth, his goodness, his love, his mercy, and his power. And that's why we serve. Because as they come to him, they are transformed. And they are given eternal life. We serve for their good, for the good of all, the common good. Uh, one of the things we say around Lakeview is that we are uh, all about following Jesus together for the glory of God and the common good. 1 Corinthians twelve seven is where that little slogan came from, for the common good. I want to wrap this up by giving us an opportunity to respond. And so there are a couple of half sheets. Uh, if you didn't grab one off the communion table on your way in, uh, you can grab one on your way out, or maybe a couple of guys could get up and, uh, and hand these out. Um, but... The first one is just an opportunity, uh, it lists some opportunities for how you can serve outside of Lakeview in our local communities, right? So uh, there's contact information for Anchor Sober Living, CareNet Pregnancy Center, Salvation Army, Scotland Retirement Home, uh, Tour of Madison. This is um, like a international students are coming here to go to UW and they're looking for people that will show them around and welcome them to our country. What a great opportunity for Christians to interact with international students and plant a seed for Christ. Um, Stoughton Area Resource Team, Stoughton Food Pantry, and the Stoughton Resettlement Program. Uh, These are all ways that you can get involved, that you can serve, that you can connect, that you can love others. Um, And so there's that sheet. The other one is uh, a little survey. It's called Ways to Serve at Lakeview. 
Um, this is a, a tool really designed to equip you to get back into a rhythm of serving or, or know where you can begin. And I want to uh, make it clear, we already have needs within our church family that we're seeking to meet. So there are already existing needs in the church, and we're hoping that some people uh, will sign up to help meet some of those needs. We also have needs like these that arise occasionally over time. A family has a baby. It'd be great to send them some meals. Somebody gets really sick. It'd be great to send them some meals. A widow needs some help around her house. It'd be great to have some things that we could do to help with that, right? So those things pop up from time to time, and this survey is just an opportunity for you to say, yeah, I could help with something like that. Uh, I could help sharing your presence by visiting, calling, or writing cards. I could do something like that. That's, that's easy. I, I could give a meal to somebody. I could uh, do handyman or general repair work or raking or landscaping or shoveling or driving or some of those types of things. So there's opportunities. And if you say, I, I'd be willing to be on a list. If some need pops up, you can call me. Uh, if I'm available, I'll do it. If I'm not available, I'll say, no, not this time. That's totally fine. It's just a way of gathering that information and so we know who's available and willing to serve in those capacities. So what I want us to do is take the next few minutes and I want us to actually fill out this survey right here this morning. Uh, so if you didn't get one, raise your hand. We'll get one passed out to you. You can drop them in the offering boxes uh, on either side of the exit on your way out. And it's just our way of gathering that data, knowing that you're willing to serve one another. Um, and we'll take, we'll take a few minutes to do that. And then when you're done with the survey, you can get up and uh, drop it in the box on the way out and have a great day. And by the way, if you serve in Lakeview Kids or Lakeview Students, there is lunch and, uh, and get ready for that. Let me pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for sending your son uh, to die in my place for my sin, in our place for our sin. Lord Jesus, you gave us the greatest example of serving by giving of yourself, pouring your blood out on the cross for our sins. You served us in that way so that we could be free and have everlasting life. And we want to take that life empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we want to share that life with others through serving them. So would you just motivate us? Would you, would you stir in our hearts? Would you call us to what we're supposed to do? Would you show us which boxes to check on that little survey form and how we can love one another well for the glory of God and the common good? In Jesus' name, amen.